Well, good morning. It's good. We got an extra hour of sleep, right? Isn't that what's... Welcome you know, and thank I'm, you for joining I, it's us today. Not in my notes, but if I you're just a guest with us, we would love to connect with you. There's Everybody a connection tent outside sleep, and really, a connection table in the lobby. Us, I feel like team I just members. stay up an hour later so that my body's not off. So there's nothing. We kept our kids up late last night because if you're a parent of young children, there is no such thing as getting an extra hour of sleep. They just wake up an extra hour early. And so, uh, I don't know, we're trying to work through some strategy uh, on that. But hey, it is November. Can you believe that? I don't know if that makes you excited or... Hey, 2020 is almost over. Maybe there's a little excitement. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there we go. Well, hey, before uh, we dive in, if this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here, and we just want to say welcome. Whether you're here with us in the room uh, or you're tuning in online, uh, we're just glad that you are worshiping with us today. And, uh, and we're wrapping up this series, Asking for a Friend. But before we do, I, I just want us to, um, to pause for a moment because uh, this is kind of a big week. Um, we don't have to tell you what Tuesday is, which, by the way, I don't know why uh, we set the Israel deposit deadline for Tuesday. If you're going with us, just get your deposit in sometime this week. It's like, hey, on your way to the ballot, on your way to vote, can you just drop your deposit off? Um, that's probably an error on, I'll just own it. It's probably me. Uh, and so anyways, but Tuesday we do have an election and, um, and here, here's, uh, where, where I am right now is, is just a pastor, uh, is a human being every day that I tune into social media, uh, check in Facebook. I, I just, I continue to just not feel good. Uh, and it's not because I feel like the narrative is going this way or this way. I just feel like there is so much divisiveness in our nation. And, uh, and here's where I've come to the conclusion. It does not matter what happens Tuesday. God is still on the throne and the enemy is still trying to destroy what God is trying to accomplish. And so here's what I want us to do before we hop into the message today is I just want us, can, I, I know we're just, we're just going to go a little old. Can y'all stand? Can we pray together as a church? And here's what I want us to pray for for the next few moments. I want us to pray for peace. I want us to pray for unity. And I want us to pray for a spiritual revival because it does not matter what candidate comes out on top, who our senators are, who our representatives are, who our president is, because God's will can still be accomplished if we have a church that is awakened. And so I just believe praying for revival during this time. But we're going to pray for peace. We're going to pray for unity and we're going to pray for revival. So can we if if you're comfortable with praying out loud, you can. If you don't want to, you can just pray to yourself and that's okay. But let's just join together in our voices. Father, we just come to you right now. God, as a church, as your people, God, we stand here with humble hearts and just open hands. God, my prayer is that we would be an instrument of peace during times where there is divisiveness, where all of us are probably going through a little bit of anxiety and anxiousness in our thoughts, God, let us pursue peace in all moments. Let us love first before we try to prove a point. God, let us, let us be the, the instruments that continue to unite people during this time. Let us not be, as the church, known as, as those who, who just 
burn bridges and continue to destroy those who think differently or believe differently. But God, let us have open arms during this time. Let us be instruments, hands and feet of your peace that passes all understanding. God, we don't understand what it's like to really see peace in times of divisiveness, but God, we know that you can accomplish that. God, we pray for unity. It's not about parties. It's not about the right or the left. It is about unifying so that we can see healing take place in this country. God, that we can see lives restored that have been broken and damaged. God, we want to see unity across denominations, across beliefs. God, that we would see your kingdom come and that we would be a part of it. And God, most importantly, we pray for a spiritual revival, not only in, in this church, but across this nation, that we would see believers and churches wake up to realize that we have an opportunity not to become dormant, not to become silent, but God, that we can love more than we ever have before. And that is the greatest bit of talking and teaching and speaking that we could ever do. And so God, I pray for revival to break out right now that we would see churches, regardless of what happens Tuesday, you're still on the throne. Regardless of what happens Tuesday, you're still victorious. So God, let us not put our hope in a candidate. Let us not put our hope in a bubble that we're going to bubble on Tuesday, but let us put our hope and our trust in you and that we would see an awakening take place in this country. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated, church. I do want to read this just a bit of scripture um, as we go into this week. Uh, I think this is probably a good scripture for us to read every day. Um, But it's found in Colossians 3, verse 12 through 15. And I think that this is just how our lens, regardless of how you're voting, where you're voting, uh, if you're voting, Colossians 3, 12 through 15 just gives us some strong instruction here. And it says this, Therefore is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another, regardless of who you voted for, regardless of what your political beliefs are. We've got to begin to forgive and love one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. So that's your encouragement today. God's on the throne, and God gives us clear instruction of how we're to navigate this life as believers, regardless of what takes place. So um, be encouraged. The world is not going to blow up on Wednesday, I don't believe, uh, if we even know what happens by then. But uh, enough about that. We're going to continue and wrap up our series, Asking for a Friend, before I just say stuff that gets me in trouble. So uh, on any bit of that. I I just, yeah, it's good. Um, So if this is your first time here, maybe you've missed a few weeks uh, during our asking for a friend. We've we've just kind of been answering some questions that that maybe we have in our life or maybe we haven't even gotten to realizing that, yeah, I kind of need to know the answer to that question. And, uh, And so week one, we talked about how do I fight the battle of the mind? Uh, week two, Pastor Jason Burbacher talked about what do I do if I feel uh, that God is distant and I can't hear his voice. Last week, we talked about how do I navigate this world around me. And today we're going to wrap up with a fun one. How do I balance my life? 
How do I balance my life? Now, about this time last year, we, we actually had a message about balance, and we were in our Made for Monday series, and we were talking about this balance between work and life. But today we're going to kind of go a little deeper or a little broader uh, stroke, you may, you may say, because I think that we have balance issues in more than just our vocation and more than just our job on Monday through fa- Friday. I feel like there's a lot of us that probably struggle with balance in some area of our life. Now, balance is defined by this. An even distribution of weight enabling someone or something to remain upright and steady. It's a good little definition there. Part two of the definition is a condition in which different elements are equal or in the correct proportions. I love that. It's able, if our life is in balance, when I read this and I think about our life being in balance, if our life is in balance, it enables us to stand upright And if our life is in balance, that means the elements of our life should be in proper proportion. It's that simple, right? (laughs) Except it's not that simple. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now here, Paul is writing to the Ephesians here with just some very, you know, there's sometimes we read scripture and it's like, ah, what does this really mean? But I really believe that there is some some just face value. We don't have to go deep here to discover what was Paul intending. Paul just gives some, some clear and simple, and I believe it's the base for us finding balance. And he says this, be wise, rescue the time. Because the days are evil. (laughs) Now, this was written 2,000 years ago. But I feel like this morning we could say the same thing. Be wise. Rescue your time. Because the days are evil. Because what I have discovered in my 35 years on this planet is that days are evil. Time is, is, is a difficult thing for us to wrestle with and oftentimes is the key lead indicator if our life is in balance or out of balance. Why? Because time is something that all of us have and all of us have an opportunity to be good stewards or poor stewards. And so we're going to talk, what does this really look like for us to be wise, for us to rescue the time, for us to find balance. See, time, I think, is one of those things that we have got to make sure and be careful that we're balancing properly. Now, as I was preparing this, I I kept thinking about, I love to cook, by the way. And, um, And so one of the things, like if you're cooking rice, okay, I was cooking rice the other night, so we're just going to use rice as an example. If you buy a bag of rice, there is the exact like measurements to make X amount of servings. You know, if it's a a bag of rice, it may have five cups of rice. And here's what I I, is I'm is I'm preparing and I'm beginning to dig. I, I just had this visual that oftentimes when we're measuring out rice, we may have a little bit extra in the measuring cup, or a little bit under if you're using a measuring. You know, it may not be in the perfect proportion. 
Now, here's when we really discover that everything's kind of out of whack is when we get down to the last time we're trying to make rice out of that bag of rice. If you ever had one of those moments that you had enough rice, like it happened the other day uh, when I'm cooking for the family and I'm like, well, I don't quite have enough for two times the recipe. So it's like one and a half. And then I'm trying to make these, these calculations of the water and all this. And all of a sudden it brings a little chaos in the kitchen because the proper proportions weren't laid out to begin with. See, the same thing happens with our time. We just maybe over a little bit or under a little bit, and it doesn't come to full circle until we need it to be right. And then all of a sudden we realize that things are out of balance. So how do we balance our life so that we do not hit this moment of realizing that things are out of sorts or things are imbalanced? Well, I'm glad you're wondering because we're going to talk about it for the next few moments. And the first is this. The first point, I think, in finding balance is we have to diagnose the imbalance in our life. We have to diagnose the imbalance of our life. Jesus says this in Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He was in a good mood that day. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. I mean, he's really feeling good right now. I would not want to be a Pharisee in this moment. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. And he continues. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. If you didn't hear me the first time, I'm going to say it again. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything is unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now, when I read this passage of scripture, I come to a couple of simple conclusions. First, I do not want to be a blind Pharisee. Not really sure what that means in this moment, but I don't want to be that. Second, I look and, and, and he is telling them, and we talked about this even last week, that we've got to focus on the inside. I know that it is only in, in my power with the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit that I can reveal where my life is in balance. Now, the Lord may use the Holy Spirit called my wife to help me understand where things are out of balance, but as a pastor, I cannot look across the, the auditorium this morning and begin to point out how your life is in balance. Now, I may think I know where your life is in balance, but I really do not know. Why? Because it is an internal thing that it begins to reveal itself on the external. I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments, and I feel like it's always a coffee mug, but have you ever gone to a restaurant and you're drinking your coffee and you get about halfway through that cup of coffee and you realize that that coffee mug should have probably gone through the dishwasher a couple more times? It is not a good and a comforting moment for me to realize that the dish that I'm drinking out of that I thought was clean was really dirty on the inside. And Jesus is saying the same thing here. Don't just focus on the outside. Make sure the inside is clean. 
When he's talking about the tombstones, it's because in the sunlight, the tombstones would have been looking all great as they were walking. And this is like real research here. As they would be walking on the road, you would, you would see the whitewashed tombstones. But see, deep inside, there were dead bones and things that would have made them ceremonially unclean. And in the same way with imbalance in our life, there are things of imbalance that all of us in the room, we wrestle with, we struggle with. Your imbalance looks different than my imbalance, but all of it, we can look the part on the outside, but if we don't fix the imbalance on the inside, we're going to miss it. We're going to live a life that is not completely fulfilling to the purpose and the plan that God has for us. We do that. We, we try to make everything look good. We, we try to make everything look like the picture-perfect, social media-ready image of our life. That everything's great. Our finances are great. Our job's great. Our marriage is great. Our kids are great. I mean, we live in this society that is constantly challenging the balance of our life. And we, even as believers, can struggle with this, this fact that we're focused on, on what image we have. Do you know, I, I, just in my years, and maybe it's, maybe it's how old I am and the people I'm around, but it just amazes me at how many people, and we'll talk about social media just for a moment, you see this beautiful couple and they're like posting pictures on their anniversary and then three months later they're, going, they're separated and they're going through a divorce. And we scratch our head like, what happened? Because too many times we get caught in this place of we want everything on the outside to look good and we haven't done any internal reflection to see what's out of balance. How does that happen? Because the marriage was out of balance. Maybe it was the spiritual components of the marriage. Maybe it was the t attention and affection in the marriage. Maybe it was the commitment in the marriage. Something was out of balance for it to happen. Or you see these people that, you know, it, it, and, and, and I'm going to be careful here, but you see people that they're, they're posting all the highlights of their life and then, and then financially you're, you're talking to them and they're just struggling and they, they can't make ends meet. And it's like, but wait a second. Didn't you just buy a brand new truck three months ago, you know? Weren't you vacationing at the Bahamas six months ago? Like something in that moment is out of balance for it to get there, but we become so consumed with making sure the outside of the cup looks good, that our kids are, are perfect. I was so proud of my wife last night because Cohen, we were, we were, we were, um, we were going around and visiting our neighbors last night, and so uh, Cohen decides that he's going <laughs> to... I just figured that's safe. Uh, he gets on a scooter, and, and, and we, we were. We wanted to see our neighbors, and so we were out and talking to our neighbors. Well, there's this big hill in our neighborhood, and Cohen was dressed up as a Sonic. And so, yeah, I, I'm just telling you, I love my kids. But Cohen, I mean, he just puts on, when he puts on the costume, he becomes the costume. I mean, he's running through people's yards like sonic speed and just flying. Well, he was also, our, our neighborhood kind of has some hills. So I'm like, okay, one of two things. I'm either driving us around the neighborhood or we're going to put you guys on scooters so that we're not carrying you, you know, through the neighborhood. And uh, so coming back last night, Brittany is like, hey, I'm going to go to the bottom of the hill because the boys, we kept it, slow down, you know, I'm not on a scooter. I'm out of shape. I can't run that fast. 
So Brittany like goes to the bottom of the hill in my last words to Cohen last night before he goes down the hill. Buddy, you're not wearing a helmet. You cannot go full speed. Well, Cohen may have heard that, but Sonic did not. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of that disconnect there. And so Sonic speed before he even gets to the crest of the hill, I mean, he is just like, I mean, he is in Sonic mode. He's running from Dr. Robotnik or whoever is chasing him. I, I don't know. And he just comes flying down this hill. And about two-thirds of the way down the hill, the scooter starts doing the awful shake. And he loses control and just like tumbles. So if you see my child this morning with a lip that is like three times larger than normal and scrapes, we were very nice to him last night. Uh, he just had a tumble. But Brittany posted that on social media last night. And I, and I began thinking about it as I was looking over my notes this morning. I'm like, that is counter to what we are normally accustomed to. Because we don't want to see people... Uh, have this opportunity to look into our falls and our failures and our bumps and our scrapes. We want everybody to see the picture of them all dressed up. And she posts that one too, uh, of, of them like ready to get their candy and they're in great moods and, and, and all of this. But we neglect to show what's really going on because oftentimes I think we don't want to admit what's going on. We don't want to look at the imbalance of our life because once we do, we have to own that we're out of balance and we need to do something about it. But if we're not careful, we've just focused on the outside and not the inside. Chip Ingram, I have to quote him this morning because I just feel like it's better for me to quote him than me to say these things and you to, to be upset with me. But um, he, he labels these as indicators if you've got a balance issue in your life. So I'm not going to make any eye contact. The first is this, busyness. Are you chronically busy and in a hurry all the time? These are indicators if your life is out of balance. Number two, you have emotional stress and pressure. Do you frequently feel uptight, have trouble sleeping, making decisions, or have a hard time sitting still? You may also feel a lack of intimacy in your relationships and find that your stress comes out in conflict with friends and family. Number three, low-grade nagging guilt. Do you have a sense that there are a lot of things you know you're supposed to do, but you're not doing them anymore? You keep telling yourself, I'll get back to that as soon as I have more time, but you never do. Number four, financial debt and problems. Has your giving deteriorated? Sometimes we experience financial problems because God lovingly wants to get our attention. Where we spend our money is a reflection of our priorities. Number five, prayerlessness. Has it been a while since you've prayed alone? Do you find yourself easily distracted when you're praying? Are other things constantly taking prior priority over your time to pray? Number six, escapism, behavior. Do you find that you only have peace when you escape in a little world of your own? This could be impulsive buying, going on vacations you can't afford, excessive time watching TV and checking email. Other behaviors include eating when you're not hungry or drinking more and more alcohol to feel good. Where have I gone wrong? 
If you find yourself hitting any of those moments and, 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 and maybe I just stepped on some little toes and maybe you're nudging your spouse a little bit this morning, uh, all I know is that most of us in the room, if not all of us, have at least experienced a few of these. Maybe all of them at some point of our life. And probably I would say that a majority of us in the room are at least experiencing one, if not multiple symptoms today. Why? Because we live in this life and there is no such thing as finding balance and you're set for the rest of your life. We have to fight every day to rescue the time because the days are evil and we've got to fight to keep our life in balance. But it comes with diagnosing and recognizing that we have an imbalance. So is it your hobbies? Is it your health? Is it your work? Is it your relationships? Is it your family? Is it your finances? Is it your goals and aspirations? Is it just your time in general? Is it your participation in church and that connection and community? See, a simple reordering of our priorities can either set us up for success or get us in a lot of trouble. If I just look at God, my spouse, my family, my work, my hobbies, I can get in a lot of trouble. Those are all great things. But if I mix those up in the wrong order, I can find myself in a heap of trouble. If I'm pursuing my hobbies over my kids or I'm pursuing my spouse before I pursue my Savior, all of that in the wrong order can really get us in a place that God does not desire us to be in because why? The days begin to win instead of our life and our purpose and his plan for us. And you may say, well, pastor, how do I manage Little League and how do I manage work and continuing to date my spouse and eating meals together as a family and keeping the house clean and being at church and having hobbies and having friends and going to the gym, spending my money in the right place. All of that just seems to pile up and it's, it, it just feels like chaos. How do I find balance? Well, here's what I believe. All it takes is one of those things being out of balance, and it feels like it all is. So if we begin to diagnose, it may not be that all of these areas of your life are out of balance. It may just be one of them is out of balance. And if you would begin to work and identify that one area that is out of balance, and it may be all of them are out of balance. I don't know where you are on the spectrum this morning, but that's okay. Why? Because God still has a plan and a purpose for us. And he's got a way for us to find balance. So how do we do that? We've identified the imbalance. I think the second step in this process is to detox from all the noise. Detox from all the noise. There is so much noise in our life, and I believe that almost all of it we actually have control over. And I think that one of the greatest places and practices to begin to find balance is silence. Some of you are like, oh, what I would give for a little silence. I read one author said this, we are humans, not machines. We are made for rhythms of silence and noise, community and solitude. And it is unhealthy to always have people, things and noise around as well as to rarely want them. We don't always want noise in our life. We don't always want chaos in our life. We don't always want people around. All the parents in the room are like, amen. <laughs> and all of you parents that no longer have children in your house, you're like, amen, praise the Lord, this is great. 
there is hope. But Mark 1.35, this is talking about Jesus. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Solitude and silence are healthy disciplines. And I'm talking about literally and figuratively here. Okay, because I I think that there need to be moments of silence in our life where we pause and moments of silence. Oftentimes we, we, we get really uncomfortable with them. But moments or silence is where all the noise begins to turn down and God's voice can become louder and clearer for our life. So if we have diagnosed that we are imbalanced in this area or we're struggling to find balance in this area, and then all of a sudden we pause for a moment of silence, we can begin to hear God's voice for our life help to lead us to find balance. Now, I don't think that that silence and, and solitude is just for rest. Some of it is just for rest. Some of you just need to Husbands, you need to send your wife off for some some moments of silence. Wives, you need to send your husbands off for moments of silence. Whoever, singles, you need to go and find a moment of silence and solitude. Why? Because there is so much noise in this life that I don't think we'll ever live in this balance that Jesus desires for us if we don't begin to practice this. And I believe that God intends for us to hear his voice. And and this process of detoxing is ridding our body of things that are unhealthy. When we begin to turn down the noise, I think that some of us probably need to maybe flip these steps and we need to turn down the noise so that we can diagnose the imbalance in our life. But maybe you can diagnose it and then you find this moment of silence. Now, all of a sudden, God can begin to work out things. If Jesus found it so important to get alone and pray and spend time with his father, how much more should we? Yet we neglect this and then we wonder why our life is out of balance. And it's because we haven't been spending time with our creator. The one who has masterfully planned a purpose and and a calling for your life before you were ever even created. Creates this space to listen. We also find Jesus later on, well, in, in, in Scripture, pursuing solitude again. Matthew 14, 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When you try to pursue moments of silence, the noise is going to chase after you. It's coming for you. But I think if we begin to be disciplined, and you may say, Pastor, that's not even possible in this season of my life. I promise you there's a time that you could wake up before your kids wake up. I promise you that there's moments when the kids go to bed, instead of turning on the TV, maybe you just sit in silence in the house. We can, we, can, we can help define some silence for you just to spend time. And some of you are probably really good at this. You're like, I don't really talk to anybody. I, I just, the moment the kids go to bed, I just withdraw. Well, too much silence is not good either. You know, if your spouse is sitting across the room, it may be good to talk to them and love them. And... But here's one of the interesting things about this second time where Jesus, we find him, him pursuing solitude is it set up one of the greatest miracles that we read through Scripture, and that's the feeding of the 5,000. 
So I would propose to you today, what if we got in a rhythm of realizing that we need to detox from the noise in our life for God to execute the miracle that he intends to work in us? What if the things we've been praying for and hoping for and aspiring for are just beyond a moment of silence to hear the Lord's voice? Because if we step into that in our own power, in our own leading, in our own steps, God knows that we're not prepared for it. We need a moment with him. Some of us have been praying for miracles for a long time, but we haven't paused just to spend time with the, to listen and just be quiet. Every time we spend moments with the Lord, it's us getting everything off of our chest, and he's just waiting for us just to spend a moment of detoxing from everything that we're in our world with just to be silent. And I think for us to find balance in our life, maybe for us to experience some of the miracles that God intends to do and accomplish through our life, we need to detox from the noise around us. And then the third and final thing this morning, I think, that helps us find balance, and this should be the lens that all of us look through everything in our life, is make the glory of God the goal. You want to find balance? Make the glory of God the goal. Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In order to do this, we have to align our priorities with God's priorities for our life. That's putting him first and as the goal in all things. So if your marriage is out of balance, have you asked this question, is our marriage glorifying God? That's a a hard one to begin to ask. Am I glorifying my spouse when when we have disagreements? Am, am Am I glorifying God through my interaction with my spouse? Am I glorifying God in the way that I'm raising my children? Am I glorifying God in the way that I'm interacting with my coworkers at work? Am I glorifying God with the hobbies and how I interact with with these these great things? If you like to play golf, if you like to hunt, this is not a bad thing. Are you glorifying the Lord? For all you hunters in the room, you can't tell me you can't find time to silence your soul and be with the Lord. I figured there would be an amen. Maybe they're all in the tree stand this morning. We've got to to look at everything in our life and begin to ask this question, am I doing this for the glory of the Lord? Or am I doing this for promotion? Am I doing this for gain? Because that's one of the biggest things. Why we do things is normally how our balance really just gets all off kilter. Because how we interact in our marriage is, is with different goals and ideas than what God has for us. Or how we how we raise our kids, we just tolerate them. We just put a device in their hand, you know? We're not really spending time with them. I I find myself, church, I miss it all the time. I'm constantly having to look and say, oh, that's out of balance. I, I, I need to work on that because I don't feel like I'm glorifying God. You know what our Sunday afternoon conversations begin to be with our kids? Hey, what did you talk about in kids' church today? What did you learn today? Why? Because we can glorify God in our family conversations on the way home from church. But can I tell you what I really want to do in those moments? I want to find a moment of silence. I'm like, I've been talking enough today. I just don't talk to me. But am I glorifying God in my response? 
Am I glorifying God in my friendships? Am I glorifying God in my finances? My work ethic, my health? If we begin to ask these questions, it really changes and transforms how we live our life. Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See, when we make God our focus, our priorities change. The things in this world begin to become less important. And the relationships in our lives become more important. We strive to be our best, not for our namesake, but for God's namesake. That's a, that's a, that's a shift. That's a switch. That's countercultural to the world we live in. The noise that is constantly in, in imploding on our life is not going to tell us that this is how we should live our life. This is how God tells us to live our life. That we would live to bring Him glory. Enjoy the life He's given you. Enjoy the relationships He's put in your life. But never let them become out of balance that you forget what matters most. And that is bringing glory and honor to the creator of the universe. Because the products of our human work and our efforts, they will all fade. But you know what will not? Is your relationship with your heavenly father. It's eternal. So it does not matter what is out of balance in your life today. We can find balance by making the goal and the aim the glory of God in all things. We all have imbalance. We have to begin to identify it. All of us, if you feel like your life is in perfect balance, please, I need some counseling sessions this week and maybe you can give your expertise. But I think that every day we should begin to look, God, is my life in balance and what can I do more to have a greater level of balance with you? We have to get away from the noise from time to time. What are we doing to just turn down the volume? God, I just wanna spend time with you. I, I just need a moment of silence. Some of you will feel so refreshed by just finding these pockets of silence. Don't just do it once a year. Hey, if you wanna get into some real healthy spiritual, you could do a silent retreat. I'm actually like looking at trying to do one of those, like just going away and being quiet for like three days. Whoo, some of you that stresses you out, that energizes me because I feel like I'm having to talk all the time. But what if you just said, hey, I'm, I'm just gonna start by finding five minutes today just to be silent just to sit, just to rest and listen to the voice of the Lord, turning down the noise. And then all of us in this room, we have a life and we have to begin to ask this question, are we bringing God the glory? So we evaluate it, we take time for silence and then we begin to schedule our priorities and our goals and our ambitions and our life to bring God glory. So this morning, I, I just want us to close with the moment of prayer. Every head bowed in this room, every eye closed. Because we can try to work the greatest schedule on the planet. We can try to, to clean the outside of the cup all day long. But if we have not done the inner working to begin that relationship with the Lord, all of our life is out of balance. So today, if you're here and you just, you just know the Lord's been dealing with you, it's time to begin a relationship with him. It's time to get things right. This is your moment to begin balance. Whether you're online or you're here in the room, we're all gonna repeat this prayer together if you don't mind. Can we do that? Dear Jesus, 
come into my life. Forgive me. Help me to love you. Help me to serve you. Help me to bring you glory. Help me to love others.